This is The Ruminant Podcast. And I'm Jordan Marr. TheRuminant.ca is a website devoted to good ideas for farmers and gardeners. At The Ruminant, you'll find all the episodes for this podcast, as well as some of my essays and book reviews and photo-based submissions from you. I hope you'll check it out. TheRuminant.ca. This week's episode features a user submission. So let's get going. Hey, everyone. So in the last week, I received an awesome submission from a listener. This guy. Hi, I'm Bernie Woodford with uh, Woodford Heirloom Farm, um, small two-acre farm in uh, suburban Philadelphia. Uh, it's been established for, uh, this is my second year farming as a farm. I started out as a backyard gardener um, about three years ago. I um, just kind of accidentally fell into farming. I also started Farmers for Liberty, which is a group of like-minded farmers and gardeners um, that uh, to get together and just pretty much promote uh, free markets uh, for uh, selling vegetables. Um, you know, we don't believe in uh, centralized planning or uh, subsidies, taking subsidies or anything like that. That's what we're uh, based on. So if you are a market gardener, there's probably a pretty good chance that you know what a vacuum air seeder is. It is a piece of equipment that's really handy when you're seeding 10 by 20 inch greenhouse trays uh, for your, your seedlings. And if you know what one is, you probably also know that they're very expensive. Well, Bernie's got a fix for you, and it's pretty cool. And on top of this interview he gave me, he sent me some great uh, photos for the website. So if, uh, if you need to see the photos to really understand what he did, you can head over to theruminant.ca and, and check them out. But more importantly, the reason you're hearing this is because Bernie took the time to get a hold of me to let me know that he had a good idea to share with the rest of you. And I really hope to get more of those because this is a perfect example of just a great idea that like other farmers need to know about. So please don't be shy. You can email me, editor at theruminant.ca. You can phone me, uh, or I guess text me is what I should say. My cell phone is 250-767-6636. If you text me and let me know that you're interested in, in recording something or submitting something, I'll get a hold of you. Or you can call a Skype number where you can leave a voicemail with uh, the idea or just with a message that you want me to get in touch with you. That is 310-734-8426. 310-734-8426. I'd love to hear from you. And... Let's let's speak with Bernie. Talk to you at the end. So Bernie Woodford, I am looking at an open browser tab. I am at johnnysseeds.com right now. And I have, uh, I have searched for a product they sell called a precision vacuum seeder. Um, and some market gardeners will know about these, these tools. It's essentially uh, an airtight box with um, holes in the bottom of it you stick a vacuum hose in one end uh, and when you turn on the vacuum the suck the the suction pulls air in through the holes which are perfectly aligned to align up with certain size um, 10 by 20 greenhouse trays which allows you to pick up just the number of seeds you need hold it over the tray and drop those seeds exactly one seed per cell into however many cells you have in the tray it's an awesome looking tool and it costs $600 US before shipping. <laughs> um, you just sent me a submission uh, just last week and you've managed to build one of these for how much? Uh, 20 bucks <laughs> without the, I already had the shop back, so um, I didn't include that. That was just for the uh, the seating plate and the, uh, uh, the contraption that makes the vacuum. So yeah, for those parts, it was just $20. 
Um, now, I, I also just, I did double check the Johnny site. So actually it does come with a vacuum, but even when you factor in, I mean, you don't need a powerful vacuum for this, I would think. So even when you factor in the purchase of a vacuum, you're still coming out way ahead of uh, the price, especially when you factor in that if you wanna create um, different trays, like let's say you use uh, 72 hole flats like you do, but you also occasionally use 128 hole flats. It's another, another, uh, tray uh if you want to get a second tray for the for the commercial one costs 150 bucks <laughs> so right. you've, you've right. yeah you, yeah yeah you're you're ahead um by a lot i'm just looking at the um the shop that i have it's a little two gallon one and a half peak horsepower uh <laughs> shop back so it's it's not even one of those big you know big ones that roll around on the floor this is just like a little you know lightweight carry around type thing it sits right on the table so right. anyway yep. you have you have managed to build a pretty decent um analog for really cheap so um yeah let's talk about it uh so what did you do well i uh, i came across the cedar i was watching one of the uh cornell university videos on uh youtube and um the lady in the video was using one of them to seed her flats, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's a pretty cool tool." <laughs> and then um, I, you know, I was searching around and I, I saw the price on them. And uh, you know, with with me being, uh, you know, it's my second year at the farm, and things are kind of tight, you know, budget wise and everything. So um, you know, six seven hundred dollar unit wasn't in the uh, in the budget. So, um, um, but uh, yeah, so what I did is I just kind of thinking what I could use that would be large enough to um, for the, the plate seed uh, or the seed plate and then what I could use to create the vacuum underneath of it to hold the seed in place and um, I was kind of looking online um, and one of the places I stopped and pick up my bags for the farmers markets are uh, it's a restaurant store so they have these bacon trays that are pretty shallow um, they got just enough of a lip on it to keep the seeds in place uh, so I was measuring out my flat, and I came across a seat or a uh, bacon plate or a sheet um, that's like 25 and a half inches, 25 and a half inches by 18 inches uh, was the dimensions, which is you know large enough to, to cover the area of a uh, seat flat. Uh, so then I also I went to Home Depot and I found a 22 by 16 uh, tote, like a little storage tote. It's about eight inches deep too. It's not real deep. Um, so what I did is I um, marked out where the holes were uh, and lined up with the flat um, plug, you know, the, the, the cell locations on the, plug, uh, the flat, and um, drilled the holes through the, uh, the baking sheet. Um, there's 72, 72 holes um, that fit my uh, uh, flat. And um, just kind of took the smallest drill bit that I had and just put little holes in, drilled through. Uh, and then what I did is I flipped it over and I attached the tote, um, uh, covering it. So, uh, you know, when it, when he's, it's, it's sealed. So it creates a vacuum. So I use like liquid nails around the perimeter. I, sc I screwed it in place too with some sheet metal screws. And I also caulked it to make sure I had a nice, uh, airtight seal. Um, and then I took, I think it's about an inch wide, um, drill bit that, uh, like a circle bit. And I, I drilled out a hole in the side of the tote uh, for the um, vacuum hose to slide into. Um, and then when you turn it on, it creates a vacuum, and then the air is getting sucked through the um, 
through the holes that were drilled into the, uh, the baking sheet, and it uh, holds the seeds in place. So um, what I do is I just kind of spill the seeds onto the plate, shake it around until the holes um, are filled with seed, um, dump off the excess. Sometimes, uh, you know, you might have to position some, some might get double, uh, double seeds on a single hole. So you might have to just flick a couple of uh, seeds off. And uh, once you get everything where you want it, as far as, you know, seed count and everything, just pour off the extra and then flip it over on top of the um, flat and then cut the power on the uh, uh, chop back and it drops the seed right into the already prepared um, flat that's that's ready to go. So uh, I, I guess I should mention, too, I also did, I, I built a um, little frame to line, help me line up the uh, flat with the cedar because uh, it's a little tough to see underneath once you flip it over and everything. Um, okay. So I, 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 so I should, I'm just going to interject real quick and say you have yeah. submitted photos and description of this so people can find this as a, as a post on the ruminant.ca. Uh, but I was wondering about that this last issue. So I was looking at one of the photos. You've got a, a small piece of, uh, very small piece of, I guess, a, a piece of wood lining um, the baking tray. So that that's you, you've you've put that in there in the right uh, dimension so that it you can easily fit it over a planting tray so that you know you've got it lined up correctly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I made a I made a little. There, it's like a little frame out of a two by four, which I dropped the flat into. Um, and then I have the piece of wood that's on the baking sheet and I have arrows drawn on the baking sheet. So the arrows line up with the arrow on the baking sheet lines up with the arrow on my frame. And then I have the one piece of scrap wood on the baking sheet itself. And that, that just shows like when I line it up, the arrows up, I want to make sure that the, uh, piece of the two pieces of wood, the frame piece of wood and the, uh, the baking sheet piece of wood is, uh, or are touching uh, together. So that way I know it's perfectly lined up. So um, that's just one of those things after, you know, I first tried it up or tried it out. I was like, eh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to see where to, you know, the seeds are dropping. So I had to come up with something quick, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it works pretty good though. Pretty smart, man. And uh, so now practically speaking, um, when you use this, do you figure using this contraption, you are saving a lot of time if you compare it to simply, seeding each hole in the flat one by one yeah yeah the only thing um what i was really aiming to do with this thing is to use it for brassica seeds um i grow a lot of kale at the farm so um you know how tiny the brassica seeds are and to you know drop those into each individual um sucks. Cell, it um, sucks it yeah, really it sucks forever. yeah <laughs> so uh, but the the problem is the smallest drill bit that i had um in the um little, you know, pack of bits that, you know, that came as a set, um, that was still a little too big for the Nebraska seed. So, um, I, I don't know, I don't know how I would make the holes even smaller if I can find a smaller drill bit. So I kind of gave up using this, this, using this for Nebraska seeds, but, uh, for like the larger seeds, like your, you know, squash or watermelon or, um, uh, zucchini seeds there it's it's awesome for that it's real quick i mean i'm seeding a a tray in i don't know 30 seconds i think right um, right that's so, so that's... yeah it's 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 nice you can knock out a lot in a short order so instead of sitting there and dropping a seed in the each <laughs> each cell 
That's awesome, Bernie. Thank you so much. So if people want to check that out, I mean, you really need to see the photos uh, that Bernie has sent. Uh, they can check those out at the ruminant.ca. Um, Bernie's website for his farm is, is uh, woodfordheirloomfarm.com. And now, Bernie, if you don't mind, I'd love to just ask you about this other group you formed, Farmers for Liberty. Yeah, Farmers for Liberty uh, kind of started as a, um, I guess, a, a counter to, um, I guess, a lot of the stuff. I was kind of shocked when I uh, started talking to some of the farmers. Um, you know, even the local ones or are, are some of the, you know, especially the ones that I talked to online, where it was more, I, I don't know, I don't really know how to describe it, but um, I guess they were looking more towards, um, I guess, government to provide everything for the farm, I guess, in the form of subsidies, um, and then also expecting government to pay for their customers' uh, vegetables and some type of, you know, uh, supplemental nutrition plan or I don't know if you guys have them up there, but, um, yeah, they kind of change the name of them down here uh, every every so often. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just kind of, I mean, the way I look at it is, you know, if you're not making a profit running your business, um, you know, you might want to look into maybe doing something differently instead of uh, relying on this. So, uh, so yeah, I just kind of started the group um, that, that to promote um you know, free markets, and, uh, you know, I kind of look at it as true fruit, uh, food freedom. I mean, you know, what's freer than growing it and selling it directly to your, 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 you know, your customers and stuff without all these, you know, burdens and regulations and stuff. And um, and then the other, the other thing I'm bit, that I'm pretty concerned about is, you know, the more the farmers that you have, um, I guess, on the, this, you know, subsidy gravy train, um, I think it's just easier for the politicians to, and the, the bureaucrats to, um, you know, keep coming up with these regulations and stuff that really hurt the small farms. Um, because when there's all these people, you know, all the farmers on on this uh, on these programs and stuff, and depending on that money, it's just nobody's going to stand up and say like, "Hey, this is this is not right." You know what I mean? They're just going to kind of keep quiet and just. Yeah, keep going about it. Yeah, well, look, I can relate to at least some of what of what you just said, Bernie. I mean, I know that as a farmer, I get asked occasionally um, in surveys. Surveys is how it often comes up, but but just oh, what do I need? What do I need from from government? And I'm not I'm not against um, all supports, but whenever I'm asked, I have a really hard time figuring out how to answer that question. Um, it's 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 frustrating, you know, to 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 be farming in in an area where real estate values are so darn high. But even so, I, I I'm not therefore prepared to say, well, subsidize the purchase of my land or or whatever that sort of thing. I guess what I'm saying is I can relate to the sentiment that that um, ideally I should. I don't know. I just have a mentality myself that that I should be able to make it work if I'm good at at farming. I don't think it applies. Right. Personally, I don't think it applies to every um, single branch of farming. I think there are obstacles in the way of many other types of farmers. Uh, not, like I'm a veggie grower that that make it that make it really difficult. Um, I guess I th- I'm thinking of the livestock industry and 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 how hard it is for a small scale livestock grower who is concerned, for example, about animal welfare when they're up against. Tyson Foods, you know, and the economies of scale and systems that that the mega size um, livestock industry is uh, 
kind of set up for. So, but, but anyway, I, I, I do, I do bristle a little when, when, uh, you know, it seems like our community is, is, um, really pushing that message of more support, more support, more support. It, it doesn't, I, I don't, I don't know. I haven't put my thumb on it because I'm not, I'm not dead against the idea of support, but I, and yet I don't readily come up with what I want, you know, I, uh, so maybe, maybe I'd fit more in the camp of like, you know, I think you use the phrase kind of just let me do my job, you know, remove, remove right. barriers, but just let me do, do my job. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. It's just, um, yeah, the barriers are, you know, I, I mean, you know, there's, there's things that I'd like to do, um, you know, with the business and stuff, but you know, I need all these extra licenses and inspections and you know, all that other crap that goes along with it. It's just, you know, by the time you add everything up, it's like, is this even worth getting into? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, it, I just kind of just keep pushing it aside and I'm not sure if I'm going to eventually get into it or not. I just got to see how, you know, what the market demands are and, um, you know, whether or not I think it's profitable, even with all the, you know, the extra, um, expenses as far as you know licensing and yeah well I'll, I'll give you i'll give you a good example from british columbia in 2006 the government brought in quite hastily some new regulations for um anyone who wanted to raise livestock for slaughter to sell um that mandated that it could no longer be slaughtered on farm unless the farm had a um was federally inspected and which which was not not reasonable for for many many farms and required them to to use uh, an abattoir. The problem was that that there there was a lack of abattoir infrastructure in many pockets of the province, um, and and the reason the reasoning given just felt really hollow, which was like in the name of public safety. But but I did some research on it at the time, and there wasn't really didn't seem to be any evidence that that there were any major health issues stemming from from you know. Sm- like slaughter and sale of animals from from small scale farms in British Columbia, so it it seemed like there perhaps were other other motivations at play, and and I mean then you think of the broader context of the the BSC scares coming from the large livestock industry and how there's a lot of paranoia around that, and you can start to see that that maybe the government had other motives than truly public safety, but it's just an example of a, a new barrier that was put in place, a new regulation that was honestly crippling for small scale livestock producers in British Columbia. Right. Right. Yeah. I was just actually, the first thing I thought of, um, while you're, you know, you're just explaining that to me. The first thing that popped in my head was they probably did it as a, you know, a public safety uh, issue. So (laughs) as soon as I, as soon as I popped in my head, that's when you said that, uh, you know, they they did do that in the name of uh, public safety. So, but uh, I don't know the way I look at it is the, um, now, your local farmer has an incentive to um, make sure the stuff leaving his farm is in good shape. I mean, he wants repeat customers. <laughs> so, you know, if you're getting your customer base sick or or, or worse, um, chances are they're not going to come back and, and you know purchase uh, purchase anything from you. So, um, or worse, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, legally speaking, I guess, as you know, maybe suing or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 like you said, I think there is more, a lot more to a lot of these these regulations. Well, it, I guess it could just easily become, you know, even if there are good intentions coming sometimes, or I would even perhaps suggest often, what it really becomes about is 
I mean, I could, I, okay, look, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that um, it's, it's often the larger farms that are more equipped to implement new government programs and be able to afford that. It certainly applied to the livestock example I just gave. I could think of other examples like any, you know, new, new reg- regulations that could, could drop uh, for veggie producers to, um, you know, have UV treatment for their water that is sprayed on their vegetables, something like that, where it's a larger farm that's going to be able to benefit from that and, and, or at least afford to implement that. And therefore that now becomes a barrier to entry for, for smaller scale farms. Um, so yeah, you can start to just see how that, that, that insidious regulation creep can be a problem. So I think it's really interesting. You started the group. Um, so how can people find the group? It's on Facebook, you said? Yeah, it's a, it's a Facebook group uh, right now. Um, I do have a domain name, it's Farmers for Liberty, but it redirects right to my farm um, website. So it's a, it just redirects right now. I don't have a website built up. But if anybody's on Facebook and they're you know they're interested, um, I, they can just search Farmers for Liberty and the page will pop up. Um, kind of follow it, and um, you know if anybody wants to, um, I guess contact me uh, about anything. Um, you know, especially like the cedar plans or anything if there's any anything that's missing as far as details or anything um they can just go ahead and just contact me through the uh the woodford heirloom farm uh website so sure okay well um bernie woodford thank you so much for your submission and for for joining me on the phone i really appreciate your time no problem jordan hey i'm i'm, I'm just glad that uh the podcast is uh uh continuous this year <laughs> <laughs> so i know i know you know uh, when you started on back up, you said that was a goal of yours this year. So uh, I know I'm enjoying it. So uh, well, I do listen to. Thank you, thank you, Bernie. I wanna I wanna jump on that because uh, you're the reason I have an episode this week. One of the hardest parts for cool. me is uh, is making the time to book guests because it's it's time consuming. And I'm I was I, I usually I you know for, I've been riding on a on a on a backlog that I've built up and I'm kind of get running low. So your submission turned into this episode. And so, and that's why I invite other people to, uh, to send me a submission and I'll, um, after, when I record, when I do post-production on this episode, Bernie, I'll, uh, I'm going to share that information again. So anyway, thanks again. And, uh, yep, no um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to putting all this great information up on the site. Cool. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Wasn't that great? I thought that was great. I can't wait to build one of those things this coming fall. I hope you like that. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I recently invited you to to send me an email and let me know what you think of the show. And uh, some of you have. And uh, your feedback's been really positive for the most part. And uh, just really encouraging. So thanks to those of you who, who did that. And uh, as for the rest of you, I'll, I'll encourage you to do the same. Uh, whether you like the podcast or don't like it, uh, if you want to write me and let me know what you think, it's uh, it'd be really helpful editor at theruminant.ca, which is the same email to use if you would like to make a submission. If you were going to stand on stage in front of a group of farmers and gardeners and tell them something cool you're doing or something you think they need to know about, what would it be? Think about that and then uh, get a hold of me. I'd love to receive a photo-based submission for the blog, or even better, I'd love to interview you for for the show. So that's it for this week, folks. Have a great week of farming, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Place that don't want us
It's a place that is trying to bleed us dry. We could be happy with life in the country, with salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands. I've been doing a lot of thinking, some real soul searching, and here's my final resolve. I don't need a big old house or some fancy car to keep my love going strong. So we'll run right out into the wilds and graces. We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces and live next door to the birds and the bees and live life like it was meant to be.